It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Who lost the Republican presidential primary debate? A conversation, a hangout with Pete Hexeth and Sean Duffy. It's the Will Kane Podcast on Fox News Podcast. What's up? And welcome to the weekend. Welcome to Friday. As always, I hope you will download, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get your audio entertainment at Apple, Spotify, or at Fox News Podcasts. The Fox News Republican presidential primary debate was Wednesday night, and the story has been all about Vivek Ramaswamy. I thought I'd invite my two friends, Pete Hegseth of Fox and Friends, and Sean Duffy of The Bottom Line on Fox Business to join me in breaking down who they thought won, who they thought lost, and what were the big moments of the debate. Here is Pete Hegseth and Sean Duffy. Welcome to the broadcast, Pete Hexeth, Sean Duffy, and Will Kane breaking down the Republican presidential primary debate. Pete Duffy, so, Pete Duffy, Pete Hexeth, surrounded by American flags, should have sparklers going off, and Sean's got his microphone doing a lounge singer act. Um, <laughs> glad to have you both with me today. Thank you, Will. Good stuff. Good to be here, Will. All right, so uh, let's talk about the debate last night. Let's start with who won. You know. We're going to leave out the obvious name of the man who's running 50 points ahead of everyone else. And without a clear winner, it will always be that the winner of debates when it comes to Republicans is Donald Trump. But in a bit like it was the minors, you know, uh, we're looking for who's next or we're looking for who steps up in case of injury or indictment. So if that's the case, who stood out to you guys last night? Who do you think won to put themselves essentially in second place for the Republican primary for president. Sean, who do you think won? So I think it was clearly Vivek Ramaswamy. He was clear in his messaging. He was distinguishing himself from uh, from other candidates on the stage and did a really good job of actually getting in fights and arguments with others, baiting them in, and that allowed him to get the 30-second responses. And if you're trying to introduce yourself to the American people, the more time, the better. I, I didn't feel like Tim Scott showed up at all at the debate, got very little time. So so Vivek, I thought, talked, uh, took the day. Unique ideas. I think it resonated with the Republican voter base, um, and he clearly won. Pete? Yeah, I know. I agree with that. I think I think Vivek was the Donald Trump avatar. He was he played the role of Trump. But what was interesting is I I keep coming back to DeSantis because I think he hit a solid double. Uh, He wasn't great, but you saw uh, flashes of it. But then you also saw, especially toward the end, the the movement back toward the more conventional canned portion. And I, I think the reason he was a little hitting a double and not a home run is that he he didn't have his primary foil, which is Donald Trump. Until Donald Trump is on the stage, no one else feels the need to take on DeSantis because it's been Trump that's taken him down 20 pegs with all the nicknames and taking him on and no personality. I mean, Trump saw DeSantis as his main threat. He eroded his numbers for months. Now there's a stage and he's not really that same threat. No one felt the need to come at him. So he, I think he steadied the ship a little bit. 
But until Trump's on until that moment, because when when DeSantis says, well, I'm a blue collar kid who worked minimum wage jobs and I deployed alongside the Navy SEALs and I went to Yale and Harvard and I earned my way. And those are all good things. And then Trump cuts him off and says, yeah, but you were going to lose as governor. And then I picked you and you won and you owe me and you abandoned me. Like, that's the moment we're going to find out who DeSantis is and how he stares down his main opponent. And until Trump's there. I don't think he can hit anything but doubles uh, because every everyone else is kind of moving. And, and then I think I, she's, that wasn't my cup of tea. And I think I think females view it differently. Um, but I think Nikki Haley had a a good performance in the eyes of many. And I think we'll elevate her uh, a little bit. But Vivek definitely was the centerpiece of this. Hey, we'll, well, let's talk about Pete for a second. Yeah. So I, I, it was not a double, I think, Pete. I think this was he got walked. Um, at best, um, again, I think I think he had to come and he had to razzle dazzle a little bit. He had to show up and get some sparkle, get some shine. He's losing donors. He's down on the polls. Yeah, he gave you know quality answers. You know they're they're a little bit talky, point, pointy in the in, in, in mm-hmm. the responses. He needed much more than that. So he got on base, but uh, he didn't hit any balls. I, I think last night the only one who he did hit was was Vivek. I would agree with you though on Nikki Haley. Quickly, I've, a lot of women I talked to loved that she was pushing back against Vivek. A lot of, a lot of guys did not. Um, I think maybe my wife is a little more in line with the men. She was like, I thought it was horrible. <laughs> she, was, she wasn't very good. Uh, but a lot of women um, she resonated with, which I found interesting. So, uh, Sean, I wish you'd stop saying somebody needs to sparkle. It reminds me of Chris Matthews and looking for a tingle up his leg or something like that. You got to check at the door the sparkle requirement. But let, let's let's stay on DeSantis for a minute. So I, I'm I'm somewhere around what both of you are saying. I, I was tempted to say w- what you said, Pete, that he hit a double. Look, DeSantis was solid. He didn't make mistakes. He didn't. And I don't think that's what you're arguing either, Sean, when you say he got a walk like he didn't hurt himself last night. But in a way, that's a loss. And I like Ron DeSantis, um, but in a way that's a loss yeah. because he should win. In the absence of Donald Trump, I think he should stand out. He should look bigger. He should stand taller. The weight of the stage should tilt towards Ron DeSantis. And it didn't. It just didn't last night. And he literally was between Mike Pence and Vivek Ramaswamy where all the action was. That The action was on both sides of DeSantis. And I guess you could argue, well, okay, it's a victory to come out of the first debate unscathed. But I don't think standing next to Donald Trump will help him, Pete. I, I, I no, think if he can't do it, if he can't rise in this environment, I'm nervous for him. If, if I'm a huge supporter of DeSantis, I would be, uh, like I said, he got second or third place last night. And that's a bit of a loss because really in that environment last night, he needed to be in first. I think, but and I think you made the key point on the Fox Nation pregame show last night about DeSantis. He thrives in that conflict. At least we've seen that in conflict with the media. He did it for a second when he talked about the corporate media and that question. What was that first question on abortion? And he kind of said, "I'm not raising my hand. I'm not playing your game. You're trying to put us in a box." And like he's done that well in the past. But that's really the only conflict he had. You're right. It was Pence and Vivek and everybody else. So. The moment will be when he's staring down the guy who uh, is 40 points ahead of him and and has been targeting him for months and whether he has a moment where he takes him on or he shies away. I, I don't I don't think he wins that battle. 
But but I think last night he, he because he wasn't having to respond and attack and counterattack, he sort of floated back into the canned, um, you know, Rubio lane of here's how I inspire people based on my background. And that's going to get you a walk, a single or a double. But it's right. not going to catapult you um, to where he would need to be. Sean, I thought it was smart. I, I do think there was two moments for DeSantis and Pete brought up one of them. It was smart to. You know, I think the hand raise thing puts a candidate in a bad position. I think it's too much of a binary and too cute. And I thought he was smart to reject it. I thought he was smart to reject the hand raise. And secondarily, I thought he I was... I love it for TV, though, Will. I love it oh, for TV. Oh, it's good TV. But I, if I'm I, running... I sit there. It's great TV. It's great TV, but if I'm a candidate, I think I would want to do what DeSantis did. Like, yeah. I'm, you're, you're not boxing me in. And then secondarily, Sean, I thought he was smart also in rejecting the the look back to January 6th. I think that was a hand raise about Donald Trump. Was that what that one was? It was like, raise your hand if you'll... I can't... Would you do you think Mike Pence did the right thing? I think that's what that hand raise was about. But I thought he was smart to say, if we do this, if we look back to January 6th, we're playing right into the DNC. We're playing right into Joe Biden because that is what they want to talk about. And they will try to make the general election about. I think he was smart to look forward. So, first off, I'm still stewing on the fact that you called me off for saying sparkle. I feel like I've checked my man card in for this podcast, which is troubling to me. I'm going to let that go, though, Will. Um, uh, but I, I, I disagree a little bit. You know, I, I do. I think you have to you have to be bold. You can't be afraid to say, you know, yes or no to January 6th. And I think he got that question wrong. The reason Donald Trump is being prosecuted it does go back to his presidency. It goes back to the lies of Russia collusion, but it goes back to January 6th. We're living with January 6th today. They're still trying to, to tarnish every single Republican, every single candidate. And the FBI, the DOJ, they're targeting conservatives. And so you can't, you can't put that in the past. That is relevant right now. And it would have been an opportunity to go, you know what, we are going to right the wrongs uh, of political prosecution with regard to Donald Trump. We're living January 6th right now. We do want to put it behind us. We don't want to relive it, but we're forced to relive it because Democrats keep throwing it in our face and prosecuting one Donald Trump, his his team, his attorneys, and we're not going to stand for it. And I think Vivek was the only one who had the right answer, which was, you know what? I think he's been the greatest president in the in the in the 21st century, which he's right. And then he said, I'd pardon him. No one else went that far. And if you want to win Donald Trump voters, which they all have to because Donald Trump is polling more than 50 percent, you got to somehow endear yourself to those voters. And Vivek did that with that answer. Ron DeSantis being kind of smarmy and trying to squirm around the question. He looked weak. And just one quick other point. You, when you make the, the, the analogy of the stage tilting towards candidates, I, I love that analogy. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. And the stage did not tilt toward Ron DeSantis last night. And if you're going to take on Donald Trump, you should have you should have been the gorilla on the stage. You should have owned the that. stage yeah. last night. Yeah, I 100 percent agree with that. Third place at best. Instead, uh, real quick, Pete. I mean, I think the image. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I agree with that. I think on the, your other point, Sean and Pete, you, you can jump in this. I just think there's a needle you have to thread because you're not wrong, Sean. I don't disagree. We, we have to talk about the DOJ. We have to talk about the FBI. We have to talk about the politicization of the indictments, but we have to do it in a way. And that question was about Pence. Did Pence do the right thing on January 6th? Right. That's what you can't go back to. I don't think you can think- literally go back to that day, Pete. The, the first part of that question, though, was about 
uh, pardoning Trump and you know the, the, him being. I think the question was, if he was actually convicted, would you would you pardon him or would you support him for president? And Vivek was like this. And then remember right. the other side of the stage went up slowly after that. And the one guy looked around, and Ron looked around, saw the hands up, and gave the half hand. He did. I mean, that was yeah. the half hand. And then in Ukraine, when Vivek said no. Ron gave the half hand. And then on abortion, he was like, I, I, re- I reject your premise, which I respect that. But he also gave a half non-answer there. So your tap da- – and that's part of the reason why he never got out the gates. He's trying to I serve multiple masters. That's fair. Trying to be the Trump voter, uh, sound like Trump, but is still very conventional. And in a stage like that where Vivek can be bold and talk clearly in ways that are more Trumpian, it doesn't punch through. All right, let's talk about Vivek. So I think Vivek is the most fascinating character in the debate last night because I think he was incredibly polarizing. Now, I think all three of us here know Vivek to some extent personally, um, and there's a lot that Vivek says that I really like, but I'm not going to let that cloud what I think about his performance, okay? And this is what I'm talking about, because the debate is about, it's less about policy, honestly, and it's more about performance. And Sean, you brought it up. He was aggressive, and it gave him extra 30 seconds, right? But I got to tell you, I've gotten a lot of feedback. Some of it, I saw three guys this morning for breakfast. One guy's like, love Vivek. Another guy said, couldn't stand Vivek. That he was cocky, that he was like a class uh, cut-up in a way, that it, that it kind of withered his gravitas. Now, I'll tell you, and I said this to you guys last night, I think it's all a win. Because what he needs right now is attention, Even bad attention serves his favor right now. But I do wonder if he needs to take lessons from last night and figure out a way to make it come across in a way. If he's trying to be Trump, that's a mistake. Don't try to be Trump. Only Trump can be Trump. So it's got to be natural to him. But I wonder if he's got to kind of like tune the dials a little bit to not turn off as many people as it seemed to have turned off. So I thought he he was having fun on stage and he's good at it. Um, and I think the, the, there was a lot of smiling, a little bit of laughing, and that can s- sometimes come across as being juvenile. There has to be a little more seriousness coupled with the, the smiles and the laughter. But I don't know that he had the right balance on that front. But if you're going to err, you better err on the side of not scowling like Mike Pence looking constipated. It's mm-hmm. better to actually smile and be engaging on stage. But, but Vivek on the debate, you know, he went after the gunslinger, uh, Chris Christie who called him out for, you know, basically saying, you're the, you're, you're, you're the Barack Obama, you're the guy who says, I have a funny last name and I'm skinny. What am I doing on the stage? It was a great line. It was a killer line that would have from destroyed Chris Christie? Vivek Ramaswamy. To, from Chris we Christie. all agree. And that was a great Vivek line. The, the chat with, GPT line was, was a great line. Give it, it was great. But, yeah. but, 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 he, but because he was able to respond, Vivek, quickly on giving a hug to Barack Obama, you know, come here and give me a hug, brother was a great way to, to stave him off um, hmm. and push him back, which means, you know, he's quick-witted. He sh- Vivek is sharp, and he showed that on the stage last night, also calling Chris Christie out for, what was the line? He said, you know, y- you'd have more, more credibility when you talk about vitriol and animosity. If you weren't so vitriolic and had so much animosity towards Trump, I'm not using mm-hmm. the right two words there, but really effective in, in, in going after the gunslinger, Chris Christie. We'll be right back with more of the Will Cain Podcast. 
From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Yeah, Will, I agree with your assessment. All attention for Vivek at this point is good. And those of us that have had an opportunity to know him for a little bit of time have seen the potential. Like when, when I saw him announce, I said, this makes sense to me. This is a guy who, you know, he's wealthy, he's successful, he's articulate, he loves the country. And he's, he's going to be running a, up against a lot of cardboard political cutouts uh, from Washington, D.C., who will say the same thing and look like each other. And he will look and sound different and he will stick out. And that is especially so without Donald Trump on the stage. And he sees that moment. Like when you think about it, I mean, 38 years old, no political experience to walk up on that stage and feel that comfortable. Um, it, it, it is a reflection of sheer intelligence, emotional intelligence. He's done the work. He's been in the media. He's been answering the questions and it showed. The question is, does he have multiple speeds? Because his speed is, you know, pegged at an 11 at all times, which some people love and other people are turned off by. And he's so smart that it can come off as arrogance. And he doesn't stop. Like even in our post-show interview, it was like, Vivek, that was a great answer. And it could have ended a minute and a half ago. Uh, and you know, <laughs> one of these days that's going to catch up. You know what I mean? Like the, it's going to catch up. You just kind of leave it be where it is and let people linger on the great stuff you said without having to add another sentence. And I think that could catch up with them. And, and it depends on if people view him as likable, to your point. But I've had the same reaction. Some people said, awesome dude, crushed it. Other people are like, man, shut up. Because you were everywhere and all over the place and you looked arrogant. But I, I don't think he is. I think he is. It, it, your first debate, the energy's pumping. You're ready to go. Everybody's coming at you. He handled it really well, considering all the factors. And I, I do think it'll. And he was the one guy who channeled Trump. And in the party of Trump, that's a good thing. So I, one of my producers um, sent me this note of feedback based on the debate. I thought it was really good. He said, it's as though everybody else on the stage didn't learn from the shift in the Republican base through the Trump era. They sounded like they could have been running for president in 2012, where Vivek was echoing policies and points of view that reflect the modern day Republican base. And I do think that's true. You know, um, uh, So let me transition that observation to this question, which I've asked you both, but I do find this fascinating. Why do you think they all attacked him? Christie and Pence is mainly Christie and Pence and and Haley. Like all the attacks went to Vivek. They didn't go to Ron DeSantis, the front runner on that stage. Do you think it was a strategy? Do you think it was just in the moment Pence just was irritated by Vivek and wanted to go get him? Like, why was he the place all the arrows were shot? Want me to take that? Go I, ahead. I would, Go ahead. I would, I, I, my assessment is that you had everyone looking for opportunities to engage and get in a little scrap, look at, looking at getting in a fight, right? And that's the only way you get more airtime. And you can try to shut down the moderator and talk over the moderator as you're in this back and forth, and you can look really strong. So I don't think it mattered who the fight was with, but Mike Pence wanted to get in a fight. Nikki Haley wanted to have a fight on Ukraine. And... Vivek was the the easiest target to fight with because he was saying some things that they disagreed with, Um, whether it was on Ukraine, whether it was on Donald Trump. um, 
and whether yeah, just there's a, there's a number of spots in there where that happened. Mm-hmm. So I think that was that that was the the rationale behind it. But can I tell just one other point? I, I as as voters look at this, and I hate to go back to. 2015, 2016, but when Hillary Clinton would always make the point, who do you want to answer the phone at three o'clock in the morning? I think she did ads about that, and I, I can't stand that, but you get the concept. Do you want Vivek Ramswamy at 38 years old to answer the phone? How is his gut? Will he make the right will he make the right calls? Does he have the life experience? Does he have the gravitas? To, to lead on the world stage. And I, I don't, as again, I, I'm a, I was a big fan of his performance last night. I love the debate style, but he does not have gravitas. And I think in the end, his age is going to crush him with voters as they try to analyze, if not Trump, could it be him? Well, Ron DeSantis did have, I think, more gravitas in the night, though he wasn't as sparkly, Will. <laughs> um, I, I, I think there's a ceiling for Vivek, like you said, Sean. I don't. I think there will be a point where voters say, "Hey, man, really smart, huge future in front of you." Probably not right now, and but he's smart. To, he's doing what none of the other candidates are doing. He's drafting off of Trumpism, of America First policy, and the rest of them seem seem to you're right whether it's 2012 or 1988 in the case of mike pence they're running the way everyone ran before as if we're going to forget what happened over the last eight years and i so in in part when you look at the candidates so you got hutchinson you got burgum you got christie you got nikki haley um all of pence all of them have if you're running in 2024 you have a beef with trump at some level. Otherwise, he's the prohibitive front runner who is a previous president uh, who wants to run again and you probably bow out. And so I feel like Vivek is that is that trial run avatar of how do you come at that without having to look like I'm attacking Trump, but I'm attacking on the margin some of the things he had to say. I think for Haley, it was intentional to draw the foreign policy contract. She had her lines. He really didn't get a chance to refute that. But I think you're right also, Will, that for Pence and for 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 Christie was going to swing at anybody. But for Pence, it was he was turns out this is the guy that wants to scrap. And I'm Ronald Reagan and he is, you know, whoever. And I'm going to I'm going to tell this kid what's up. And, and again, I think that is reflective of an old thinking that doesn't actually connect to a lot of the base. I mean, I I just don't so, see how Pence. So- a little more. A little, it's like it's like beating up somebody that makes you feel good, but a little more on Vivek, okay? Um, because again, I think he's the most fascinating character. So if I were a candidate, and I was surprised, I told you this guy, both of you guys, this pregame. I, you know, Sean, you bring up answering that call in the middle of the night, right? I, I mean, you're, you're spot on on gravitas, I think, which is just something that you you sense or you project. But also, I want to know who Vivek is in that moment at three o'clock in the morning. And I think there's some, I really like a lot about Vivek, but there is stuff out there about his support for masks, his support for vax mandates. I can't believe people didn't challenge him on it. Like, because the thing is, I need to know who you authentically are, Vivek. And that's who you're going to be at that 3 a.m. call. And I think I'm just shocked that no one has gone that direction with him yet, which may reveal that it wasn't a strategy last night. It was actually just, it was just instinctual to, to go, to go fight him. And something you said, Pete, is interesting to me. You said everyone else on that stage, okay, there's two guys on that stage that are not taking the anti-Trump approach, right? So everyone up there is essentially saying, I'm different than Trump in some profound way. There's two guys who are not saying that, and that's DeSantis and Vivek. They are both trying to be the Trump alternative that is Trumpish, right? And I do wonder 
it puts both of them in a very difficult position because what there's Trump. Like you're not going to get the Trump voter as long as there's Trump. So for Vivek and, and like Christie and Pence and Haley, they're hoping America goes. I'm done with Trump, but I'm still Republican. But DeSantis and Ramaswamy are trying to get the Trump voter, and I don't know how they do that. And it's the that's the impossible task that consultants are getting paid millions of dollars to fail at because it's like fighting an immovable object. And Vivek is going all in, and DeSantis is going halfway in. And by the way, isn't it telling that DeSantis and Vivek are – two and three in the polls as they're the only two attempt like the the rest of them are truly yes. channeling uh and I, so i think a lot of it to, to get back to your question which i didn't really answer i don't think it was a strategy i think it was frustration i think yeah. it's pence is ticked i think haley's ticked they're like i was the vice president i was a governor i was a congressman i was a u.n ambassador i was a governor i've been in the trenches and you whippersnapper have written a couple books and been on fox news and now you think you're going to be president of the united states <laughs> oh hell no i'm slapping you down like that you we've all been there like that's the frustration you can have in the moment and so they didn't have the policy-based disagreements there or the background in information to go at him. Wait till round two and round three and round four. I mean, this is right. where Vivek's going to have the Apple research coming at him. Explain this, explain that, explain this. That was just surface level stuff. So we're going to see another speed of those attacks uh, in future debates. Yeah. And, and, and Will, you made this point last night, I think. It's like these, these you're, you're, when you're playing for second place, you're playing in the minor leagues, right? You're hoping that, you know, your right fielder is going to, you know, break their leg and you're going to get called up, right? They're, if something happens to Trump, they're playing for second. And should that opportunity be presented, they're going to be the the, the alternative. And I, I do think that's where they're at. I mean, I don't think Ron, maybe Ron DeSantis believes that he can beat Trump. The donors and the consultants have told him that, and maybe he still believes it. I, I don't believe that's actually true, though. But to, to Pete's point as well, um, listen, less than a month ago, Vivek Ramaswamy was pulling at 5%. No one has done any research on Asa Hutchins. Whatever his name is, right? No, they're not going to waste their money because the guy's going nowhere. And Vivek Ramaswamy was the same. Nothing on Vivek. Well, then he spiked. He's up at what twelve percent now. And after this debate, he'll he'll go even further. And after his performance last night, I guarantee you, all the campaigns are going to go For back sure. and do research on all the different positions that he had. I, one of his great lines last night, I thought, was that climate change is a hoax. And he went through all the energy, he included coal beautiful coal that he wants to burn because it's cheap. I loved it. Well, I also, I think Chris Christie's team put this out just a couple months ago. He had a, a line where he's like, climate change is real and it's probably man-made. Vivek, Vivek said well, that? You, listen, Vivek, you keep, yeah, you can't have it both ways. And you can't right. change your positions that dramatically because the voters disagree with your old position on climate change, so now you have a new one. There's right. actually recordings of what you said, Vivek, and it's going to come back to haunt you. And if he has a couple moments like that, I don't care how good you are in a debate stage, the dude's going to go down because he'll be inauthentic. He'll be saying one thing on stage, but has had different positions in the past, like you mentioned, masks and vaccines. He'll have problems. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about Mike Pence. You guys both brought him up. Um, I think that I don't want to say it's universal, whatever social media is. I did see some people saying, oh, he came across as presidential. I thought he come across, came across as dour uh, and defensive. He, I, it looked to me 
I'm curious what both of you think. Pete, you were in the room. It looked to me like it was a strategy, like it was purposeful. Like he went in saying, I am going to be authoritative and I'm going to assert myself because it wasn't just at the other. It clearly was in Vivek. We saw that over and over, right? But it was actually with Martha McCallum and Brett Baer, too. Like he tried. It, It seemed to me watching the show that the guy who was usually interrupting the the two debate moderators was Pence. Like I had to hear Brett say several times, "Oh, Mr. Vice President, you have to wait." Mr. Right, you know, he came in with an attitude that seemed purposeful, and I don't think it worked for him. I can confirm that. I talked to Brett after the debate, and he said every time I looked over at Pence, his hand was up, and he was pointing at me, like almost like you have to call on me. And, and I do think there was a part of, of, hey, I was the vice president of the United States here. I should be the center podium. I'm going to be the bulldog here because Trump's not here. That was definitely a strategy to exert and exude like a presidential leadership approach. And, and I do think there's just a lot of frustration there. I mean, you heard in the, in the clips that we're playing in the lead up to the debate, you know, I've been preparing for this my whole life. Like, he really has. And, and he really has been a conservative for a really long time. He was a very faithful vice president for three and a half years. And then it ended the way that it ended. And you saw his political fortunes just crash. And so I think him and his team have said, this is who he is. This is our strategy. And if we're going to go down, we're going to go down swinging. And problem is, he's just not a swinging kind of guy. So when he tries to do that, he's not really who he normally is. And so he asserted and he asserted and he asserted and it, it came off as as smug. And I, I just didn't do himself any favors. And I, I got to believe his team knows that. But you can't you're not going to teach this old dog new tricks. You just lead into what he's got. So I, I was not impressed. Uh, I would agree with with Pete on the assessment that he was he he's, he's the, he thinks he's the vice president. He he commands respect on the stage. He has been a conservative forever. He's a good Christian man. I like Mike mm-hmm. Pence as a person. Mm-hmm. I'd call him a friend of mine. I'd have a cup of coffee with him. I really enjoy him. But on stage last night, if you're preparing for this your whole life, yeah, I know you loved Ronald Reagan. All of us loved Reagan. But the era of Reagan is gone. The issues are different. And, and the tone in which we communicate is different. He used to do radio, right? And so there's a cadence on radio that's a lot slower and deliberate and boring on the stage last night. And you got to smile. You do have to be a happy warrior as you're engaging in the fight because th- we understand we're in a fight. We're at a war with, with I think, liberals and Democrats in the deep state. But you got to put a smile on your face as you go into battle. Mike Pence didn't do that at all. Um, and I, by the way, I was really annoyed in the debate, too, with all of the interruptions. And he kept talking over everybody. Um, Nikki Haley did it one time with Vivek on, on Ukraine, but Pence did it nonstop. And a couple times, I think it's OK, but it was it was over and over again. It became very annoying. Can I add one thing real quick to your point about Ronald Reagan was the first guy who introduced the idea at the State of the Union of pointing out a story in the balcony, right? Like, and story. And I think I think I'm at the point as a voter and maybe a political observer. I'm not saying I'm over that, but it's so overdone and overplayed that once a candidate gets that slow down, let me tell you a little thoughtful story. It's all canned, and I almost. Tune it out and say, "Okay, you've been planning for this story, and everyone." And, and I've, I don't know. I don't know if that's how voters see it when they watch it too. Maybe it's still effective, but it, from my side, Pence does that a lot. 
uh, DeSantis did it a little bit last night, and it, I just don't feel like it works. You know who doesn't do it, who does a pretty good job in this environment, is Chris Christie. I mean, he does yeah. seem like he is being authentic the whole time. Now, I used to say this when I did radio, like, you know, the first hurdle you have to clear to connecting with an audience is whether or not you're authentic. But that doesn't ensure you success because it could be that they don't like who you authentically are. You know, like yeah. it's good to be authentic, but you might authentically suck. So uh, the, 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 the thing with Christy right now is I just don't think many people like who he is. I don't, I'm not like, I don't hate Christy. I, I think he's, a, I kind of like the pugilist in him. I like that he kind of goes back and can think on his feet like that. But I also look at Christy and I say, well, you're like the you're like the overweight fighting version of Mike Pence and Mike Pence like what their lane is the same they're not the same guy they're they're very different guys but their lane that's what I guess I'm getting at you're in the same lane and I don't know why there's room for two of you yeah I mean I I think that he's really good I also think you underestimate the ego and belief that people have that they're that they should be the president. Listen, if only people only knew how good of a blue state governor I was and what I did with my budget and what I did with Sandy and how I process. If people only knew and and I and then then you see him on stage, you're like, he's really, really good. Um, and he's, he's he is. He does come off as authentic. But he's not where the voters are. He's he's decided to reject the main premise, effectively, of where the Republican base is right now. And as a result, he he got booed from start to finish. Like when you're booed at the intro of a Republican debate, which he was, uh, and then you are acknowledging those boos and they're getting louder. And then uh, Brett Baer has to turn around to the crowd and tell him to be quiet, stop booing Chris Christie so much. I mean, that's not a ticket to winning. But I do I do think I think it's ego. I think these guys really think, man, if only I was president, this would all be fixed. And they're, they should have, he should have run in 20, you know, 2008. Maybe it would have worked. You know, yeah. Chris Christie at least was running on his record, Will, uh, where Mike Pence was trying to run on Donald Trump's record and mm. bashed Trump all the Good while point. doing it. And by the way, Mike Pence was going to lose in Indiana if he wasn't, you know, picked for vice president. He's, he's, he's been, he's been failing at a, a number of different points through his career, but Here's the, here's the problem, and I saw this in Congress. When, when you represent a moderate area, uh, a more Democrat area, and you're a Republican, you can't be a Texas conservative, Will. I mean, you, you got great members in Texas that could never get elected in, in Maine or in upstate New York, right? If you won in, in, in New Jersey, you're a guy who's pretty damn moderate. You didn't throw the heat down because you can't. You wouldn't get anything done and you wouldn't be elected. And so Christie has made a political fortune in New Jersey, working with Democrats, moderating his message, you know, to to get bipartisan, you know, buy in. But that doesn't work on the stage. That record is not appealing. Yeah, it was appealing that you won in a Democrat state. But what you did is not appealing because it's pretty moderate um, by Republican standards. And so I, I don't think he can sell much of what he's done. And again, he's a bully on stage. Um, I don't, I like it. I, I think he is authentic. Even the line, the, the chat GBT line against, um, against uh, Vivek, it was planned, right? He thought sure. that through, 
but yeah. he delivered it really well, right? I mean, it didn't yeah. seem like it was canned. It was a it was a great attack. So he's going nowhere. Again, if you get, I don't know that the you, you mentioned all the boos that came from the crowd. Um, I don't know that the crowd accurately represents where all of the Republican voters are at. Again, I, I, I would point out Ukraine. I think they loved more money to Ukraine. I don't think that's where the Republican voter is at right now, from my personal perspective. But I do think uh, the crowd represented where the Republican voter is in regard to Chris Christie, <laughs> booing him as I think every Republican at home doing the same. We're going to step aside here for a moment. Stay tuned. All right, let's talk about two people then. Um, I don't have as much to say about either of these people, but I think I think it's fair to say that Doug Burgum and Asa Hutchinson really kind of honestly didn't register. And and um, I don't I don't I, I mean I think I think Doug Burgum has some appeal in some ways, but he just I just don't think that either of them registered much. So the other two people that I would discuss is Nikki Haley and Tim Scott. Um, I, I put out last night, and I said to you guys that I thought Tim Scott got second. That was probably overrating it. And I guess I thought, the reason I was thinking that with Tim Scott is the main thing he pulls off is extreme likability. And as all this is going on, I just kind of thought, I'm thinking of the, I'm trying to sit in the seat and see through the eyes of the average viewer or Republican voter, which I do not think the three of us are average. Um, um, I, I think that... Um, I try to do the same thing, but it's hard. Yeah, it is. It is hard. And I think that the average voter sometimes, honestly, you know, they don't know everybody's single policy position. They don't know what Chris Christie did in New Jersey. They don't know a, a lot of these things. So you look up there and you go, well, that Tim Scott guy, he's dignified. He's nice. He's likable. And I think that currency is pretty strong. Now, I don't think he had enough moments to show that last night. I think he kind of faded into the background. But I, I don't think he was second. I was wrong in that respect. But I actually think he has some life to see this thing out because he can he can live on that currency for quite some time, Pete. Yeah, I think um, you know Tim Scott's problem is that he's a really nice guy. <laughs> you know, and he's on a stage where you're supposed to hook and jag jab and take people down a peg uh, and he wants to be positive about who he is and tell his story and what he believes in and what he stands on it's something he's been able to do in congress and make a lot of friends on the republican side and even some democrats and so sticking out is a challenge i could tell you in the green room after the debate he came and did hannity and then he was out uh and he 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 didn't look pleased now maybe who, who knows what that means or what that's about but he, was, he wasn't somebody running around spinning the performance and because it did just feel like he was also there. Like, right. good guy, nice guy, also there. And it didn't help him. But it, let's say he's a v- prospective vice presidential pick. It didn't hurt him there either. And I, I think he remains uh, on the top tier of someone that Donald Trump would pick. He didn't take any shots at Trump. He, ha- he really hasn't throughout the whole campaign. So his... His premise is, look at me, I'm a good alternative. Um, and I thought he basically did that, but in a very nondescript way. So, yeah, he, he, I agree. He didn't shine. I, I, I had to ask, was Tim Scott at the debate last night? Uh, because he just he didn't get a lot of moments to, to engage. Now, you, you, he's going to be around for a while, Will, because he raised a lot of money early on. But he right. also had like $20 million from his Senate campaign that he brought over to the presidential. And he's been very good on how he spends his money. So he's not a flash in the plan, pan. He'll be around. He'll have a, a number of more opportunities to actually look at what he did wrong here and how he can engage more and get more face time in future debates. But here's one of the problems that he has. One of the questions came, 
uh, I don't know who, who asked it. Maybe it was Vivek. But what, what have you done to cut spending? We're $32 trillion in debt. You guys are the problem. And yeah. I think Tim Scott's response was, well, I voted against these spending bills. I'm sorry, that doesn't cut it with the voter right now. It's like you can't just vote against bills. What have you done proactively to go, hey, we're going to fix I've yeah. led. We're going to fix this. And this is how we're going to fix it. You never got that from Tim Scott, just that he voted against it. Well, that's not the leadership that you need that's going to fix the big problems that we have in the country. He has to come up with different and better answers to address those uh, as opposed to just I voted against it. It was a super it. DC answer. Felt totally. like one. I remember <laughs> yeah. that. Hey, Pete, um, tell us what th- – that's pretty interesting perspective about the spin room afterwards. And I guess there's some – you know, who gets the attention in the spin room is some reflection of how you did in the debate. And I heard – by the way, I heard today – I haven't watched, but I heard that CNN and MSNBC, like, today Vivek is their Trump. All they're talking about is Vivek and going after Vivek. Um, in the room, Pete – in the in, that's a great thing for Vic, by the way. Um, yes, it is. Uh, in the room, who got the attention in the spin room? Where, where did the cameras go? Where did the reporters fl- uh, flock to? Who had the scrum around them? Yeah, I mean, it, it was Vivek. It was. I mean, DeSantis was in and out, and then he had a surrogate out there. But he 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 did Hannity, and he was out. Tim Scott was did Hannity and was out. Um, Nikki Haley did Hannity. Blew past us, talked to Kilmead for a second, and was out. But I don't think it was a reflection of not feeling good about her performance. Um, Bergam and Asa were just trying to get somebody to talk to him. Uh, Chris Christie um, didn't come into the spin room. Um, so I think, you know, in that sense, Vivek had the clear had the clear takeaway. I, to me, I think the other person you mentioned is Nikki Haley, and I, I, I it'll be very interesting to see where her stock goes. Is there a big male-female difference? I mean, I was watching the same way you were. We were near the hall, but not in it. So I was watching the TV version. And, you know, when she made points, there was a, you could audibly tell there was a big female reaction. Uh, And is that a a big female reaction across the country? Or is that RNC people that know her better? Because these are almost all RNC tickets. So that audience is not necessarily reflective of the base of the electorate. These are the hyper-involved people who maybe reflect more conventional thinking over time, even though much of the RNC has been remade uh, in support of Trump. So I, and I just, I don't know. I, she, she just, she comes off as smug. I think she came off as smug. I think Pence came off as smug. But other people would say she came off as assertive and equipped with the knowledge and the information. And maybe that's me as a guy talking. I'm just telling you how I saw it. And I don't know that she's going to – I don't know. I don't know how introduced she is to the Republican base. Maybe I'm a little uh, not dialed in on that. Are people being introduced for the first time or do they already have the bacon impression that she's not going to cut it? I don't know. We'll find out. Before you jump in, Sean, I think the answer to that question is what you brought up earlier is Ukraine. And this is where I try to get into the eyes of the average um, voter and not so much into my own opinion or the the three of our opinions, which I know both of your opinions as well. I don't know, Sean, where the average Republican voter is right now in Ukraine. I I actually I really don't know. Um, I know the people that will talk to me, you know, that I run into on the street or hit me up on social media or you guys that I talk to behind the scenes. But again, the average person who says, hey, I'm tuning into this debate. Politics are heating back up. I don't know where they are on Ukraine, and if they are hawkish and neoconish on Ukraine, she's going to be the person that they end up gravitating toward. Yeah, so I, I don't know that polling either, Will. I, I imagine we'll probably get that at some point. 
I think the party's somewhat split. Um, I would gravitate towards more are, more are opposed to money in Ukraine than I in favor, so. but I don't know that for a fact. Um, but I, I, I just, I, 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 she was, she was talking over Vivek. And if you make a charge, if I go, you know, Pete, your hair is too long. I give him a second to actually respond to no, it's not too long. I don't just, when he responds to me, he just does, he, I don't talk over him. And she did that to Vivek and I thought it was incredibly disrespectful. And then she was pointing at him. Like she's, I mean, almost reaching over and touching him. Uh, if you, if you watch the, the, the two shot of them. So I, I didn't like it. And again, I'm, we're all men here, and I think there might be a different response from women. Can I make can I make a black horse, dark horse prediction for you? Um, Please. The the two guys that had the least time was Hutchins and and Burgum. Right. And I think we all agreed we kind of like Burgum. I, he's a small town guy, North Dakota governor, nice dude. He's you know we all kind of come from those places, and I found him to be really likable. And, and I didn't think that he had moments where he had great policy differences from anybody else, and he kind of had the rote lines. He seemed like he was a bit nervous, that deer in a headlight moment, like I can't believe bit. I made it to yep. the stage. No yep. one knows who I am. <laughs> but he could grow. He's, he's a great businessman. He, he runs a conservative state, really likable. So if there's someone that I will watch moving forward, can he can he bounce out of this, figure his game out, and come back on the, I think it's the 27th of September, and be more assertive, more aggressive with his ideas, more a more independent thinker. So he's my dark, he's my dark horse. I'm going to watch um, from the stage last night. Sean, I think I think his, his support is going to increase by a hundred percent from one to two percent. It's going to be huge. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well said. He's going to double. He's going to double up <laughs> his support. <laughs> Listen, he was my no, no, he was I, my pick, Sean, ahead of the debates last night. Pete knows this. I had him on Fox yeah. and Friends last week, and I said, I'm intrigued by this Burgum guy, you know? And I said last night, there will be one surprise, and I thought it would be Burgum. But I also told Pete this past weekend, he's got to figure out uh, no, he's got to throw a haymaker, not just jabs. And and I didn't see a haymaker last night. He's got to come out and and like really be like, I'm Doug no. Bergen. I'm, I'm here for America. Here's how. <laughs> So hold on a oh, second. It's true. First of all, he is putting words in my mouth. I didn't say he was going to surge in the polls after last night's performance. <laughs> going from one percent to two percent. I didn't say for you know he's no, he's, he's going I'm somewhere. Looking, I'm looking over the horizon, Pete. I'm like, can someone grow in the campaign? Can someone actually come back again? And I I'm only basing this on he was really likable. He was a nice guy, and again, maybe I feel I feel soft for a guy who looks like a deer in the headlights on stage and is really nice yeah. about it. It didn't fight with anybody. He's kind of, like you know, you tried really hard. You know, yes. your, your town is very proud of you. You did yes. it. How you many know? people in his hometown? No Achilles tendon. 300 people in his hometown. I respect that. You know, it just, yes. it's. Yeah. yeah. And, well, he well, his Achilles. and he busted his Achilles. And he a full on, torn, fully torn Achilles standing on stage for two hours. Like, that's. Get, get, can I ask you guys another question? I'm sorry, but this is your podcast, Will. But Rachel and I had a debate about Vivek and taking the shirt off playing tennis. Yeah. And Rachel didn't mind it at all. She was like, yeah, no, I thought that's completely fine. I was horrified that he took really? his shirt off. And again, you guys who took your shirt off on TV and went swimming, I mean, you're, you're on TV. You're talking to the wrong two guys. I know. <laughs> but you're not running You're not running for president. I, th I thought for you know presidentially that made him look immature. It made him, it made him look not serious. 
Huh. Uh, what, you, what did you guys think? Did you did you mind? I didn't the, think anything. The, the tennis play. I, all I thought off that was, wow, he is hammering his forehand. I wonder if those are going in because he was hammering <laughs> it. I mean, he he couldn't have put any more into that swing. They were probably flying way out of bounds on the other side, way, way out. Um, Over the fence. And, and uh, my second thing was it was just a little bit of a forced viral moment, I thought. It didn't feel I, – I don't care about the shirt on or off. Um, it just – only to the extent that was he trying to have his own RFK moment, and and and, and therefore it wasn't real. It I wasn't authentic. was. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, no doubt, press the advantage at the rest of the stage and say, none of these guys can take their shirts off, so I'm, I'm going to do it, and I'm young, and lean into that advantage. I kind of wondered in the moment, though, so Doug Burgum heard himself playing basketball. Like, was he playing shirtless basketball and just mm-hmm. happened to pull his Achilles and if so he, he did didn't that, get he, his viral moment? If I don't he know. did that, he should have posted that moment. He blew his Achilles and his popularity <laughs> would have soared. That's the kind of thing you have to own. Was trying to have my RFK True. moment tore my Achilles. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it also makes me think of Saturday Night Live. One of the greatest moments was when Chris Farley took his shirt off with Patrick Swayze and was dancing. Now, if Chris Christie took his shirt off, that would be a viral don't, moment don't. playing that tennis. Would oh, it would be. But I don't know. It would. Yeah, it would be a viral moment. Would it be a net positive or not? <laughs> well, uh, well, you might um, go from 1% to 2% as well. There you go. <laughs> okay, so here's what I like about Sean's 1% to 2%. Um, we'll pretend like they're stocks. You make money on that though. You make you know you double you double it up. Yeah. You're making money on Doug Burgum right now. So, who made money last night? I'm using that metaphorically, of course. Um, whose stock goes up and whose stock goes down? Like whose poll numbers as we as we watch for the next couple of days from this debate will go up and who will go down in your estimation? I mean, by the way, earlier you said Vivek's numbers will go up. You still feel pretty confident that will be the case. Either of you. I think I think Trump's numbers stay where they are. I think he was the big winner because no one shined. Uh, I think if I'm guessing, I think DeSantis probably come down a little bit, but he stays number two. Vivek goes up and I think Haley gets a bump. And I think right now you're probably looking at a, a, a tier of those four people. Uh, on near at or near the top, and I think Nikki Haley will benefit a lot from females who appreciate a strong female voice out there. So that's how I'd look at, at shaking and out right I, now. I, I would agree with Pete, and just I mean, we're, these some of these candidates are so far down in the polling one, two, three percent. I mean, they're in the margin of error from nothing to three percent, right? I mean, there's the margin of error is you, you, it's not really accurate. You can get a poll that takes Nikki Haley from three percent to five percent, and you know it, it could just be the margins. So, um, yeah, but Vivek, you know, I thought, again, won the night. And, and, and again, he was he, he channeled Trump. I think Pete made a really good point. The, the guys that are channeling Trump in the in the election and on the debate stage, DeSantis and Vivek, they're the ones who were shining because that's where the party's at. And it's mm. moved a lot uh, with with Donald Trump. I mean, there was a uh, yeah. Yeah, I just I there. Uh, Trump is authentic in what, how he speaks and the ideas that he has. He has a great gut. These guys were channeling that, but I would have liked to have seen their own, their own spin on the Trumpism, and that really didn't come through. And again, that's why Trump won the night. Can I ask you guys another question, too? Did Donald Trump pick the day after the debate to turn himself in? Was that his choice? Because if he did, it's brilliant to flip the conversation of the debate that he wasn't at to him getting prosecuted again by Democrats. Well, you're the former prosecutor. He did choose it. 
You're the former. He, he had until Friday to turn himself in, so he could have done it any time this week. Oh, really? And the minute I saw him choose third, yes, he was up up and until end of day Friday to turn himself in. And the minute I heard him announce Thursday, I said, "Of course, of course. he wants to dominate the day after the debate with coverage of his arrest." And that's how that's how he rolls. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Sean Duffy, Pete Hegseth, awesome breakdown. Awesome hanging out with you guys. Thank you so much. Likewise. Thanks, guys. Thanks, well. Later, Pete. There you go. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Pete and Sean. Again, check them out. Check out Sean on the ki- at the Kitchen Table podcast or um, the Bottom Line on Fox Business. Check out Pete on Fox and Friends on the weekend. I'll see you again next time. Listen ad free with a Fox News podcast plus subscription on Apple Podcast and Amazon Prime members. You can listen to this show ad free on the Amazon Music app. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.